0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Everywhere Else, a weekly podcast about the world of college football. Uh, I've been joined the last couple of weeks by some guests, but this week it's the Prodigal Son returning. <laughs> Jordan's back, everybody. Well, he's not back. He's he's still in Chicago. That that job is still going on. That that assignment, uh, but. He's back on the podcast, and we're very happy to have him back. Uh, You'll have to excuse, if you can't understand him, he's got a deep Chicago accent now. He's been there for two weeks, and all of a sudden he's
1: (laughs) Been eating too much pizza.
0: Yeah. So, how's it going?
1: Good, good. It's good to be back on. Um, You know, missed it a little bit.
0: Only a little bit. Even though he did someone else's podcast yesterday, he told me, which, I mean... It's...
1: It was for an Iowa student and it was for his class project. Oh. So I figured i help Hawks helping Hawks.
0: Oh, know. okay. So it was a it was a goodwill type deal. Yeah, deals. You gotta
1: gotta help out a follow hawkeye when, when you can't. So
0: Alright, yeah, all right. I guess I'll let <laughs> I guess we can let that one slide.
1: But yeah, I know when I told you that I was like, Oh man, I wonder if I wonder if he was wondering whose whose podcast I was on with.
0: Yeah, I mean it's there's only so I mean I have to assume there's only like two or three podcasts in the world. So uh, yeah. especially about college football. So there it couldn't be a, could only have been a couple people, but uh man, it's so I think the last time we talked on the podcast, Charlie Strong was still the coach at Texas. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Uh Mark Helfrich was still the coach at Oregon. OSU in yep. Michigan had not played yet. That is correct, uh, and Lane Kiffin was still apparently going to wait it out and see if he could become Alabama's head coach when Nick Saban's batteries expired. Uh, <laughs> so I mean I don't even know where we want to start unpacking all of this. You want to you want to talk about coaching, or do you want to talk about the playoff?
1: Um, you, your call, man. I mean, uh. Both a little controversial, and both uh, you know led to some uncomfortable discussion because there were a lot of different ways that those uh, conversations were able to go. Yeah. I guess, I guess, since it's the news of the day, let's go with coaching.
0: All right, yeah. So that's it's kind of it's kind of been interesting. This this coaching carousel has literally felt like a carousel at times, where you've got guys going from like. They've all just kind of been filling into each other's spots, you know. You got Herman going to Texas, and I'm sure if I sat and you sat and like figured it out, it would literally be a circle. I was honestly the other day I was amazed, or I guess it was yesterday when I saw that Char- I must have missed the news that Charlie Strong became USF's coach. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, which- I don't know Did what you- I mean. I had a bowling tournament all day Sunday, so I, maybe that's what I just missed it. But that like blew my mind because that that felt like them like punching way above their their weight class. Like honestly, I feel like USF got a better coach than the one that left, and Oregon would have done a better job with USF's new coach than the one that they hired. Uh, I
1: mean. Here's the thing. I think Willie Taggart's a, a great coach uh, in the in the work, and uh, it'll be interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean nothing um, against a program
1: I- like Oregon. Um, I think they made a really good hire there. Um, but yeah, I mean Charlie Strong, I still think is a good coach until someone starts winning again at Texas. Um, I think it's a Texas problem, not a Charlie Strong problem. Oh, I agree. It's also. What the end of the Mac Brown era looked like, um, it wasn't you know it wasn't pretty it wasn't um, you know like the defense was getting run all over um, you know that's kind of what the end of the Mac Brown era looked like that's what the Charlie Strong era looked like um, you know until someone starts winning at Texas again I think if, you know it's hard to put put the everything on Charlie Strong for what went wrong there.
0: Yeah. Oh, I completely agree that Charlie it, Strong was not the issue at Texas.
1: Yeah, well, and here's the thing though, too is that Texas is still a top 5 job in the country and it's a great place to land and I, and I mean, I hope it works out for them. I I have no reason I mean, I have absolutely no reason, you know, to <coughs> want Texas to continue to, you know, pl- They're, uh, I think you know, hiring Tom Herman was what they had to do, um, you know. And, and another thing that's interesting there too, and, and you know, Herman has, has his roots to Texas and everything, and he was right there in Houston. But a years ago, so it's a little different. But it's crazy to, to think back at kind of the rough year that the SEC had. I mean, a couple of years ago, could you imagine someone like kind of that easily picking? texas over lsu oh yeah it's it's just you know it kind of it, it seems like and we don't know how easy the decision was it didn't seem like it was extremely difficult though um a few years ago i think that would have kind of been you know a toss-up but you know right now it's like tom Herman can go to texas and they're gonna give him a little bit of time you know to kind of turn it around and i don't know but yeah. Yeah, here's i i say that you flip it around and say that well texas is the one school that seems to have had a shot in the past at luring nick saban away from bama so maybe maybe you could have you know seen seen uh you know the hottest commodity in coaching taking a texas job but it just it is kind of interesting to see someone go to the big 12 over the sec um you know but like i said you flip that around and there is another side to that which is the fact that it is texas which is Different than just in the Big Twelve job. You're right.
0: not taking the job, right? I mean, there's like there's Texas and Oklahoma, and then there's the rest of the Big Twelve. Tom Harmon wasn't going anywhere else in the Big Twelve over over right. LSU. I mean, here I guess here's here's my thought about Charlie Strong and USF is f- three years ago, you know, four years ago, Charlie Strong would have never left Louisville to go to USF, right? Right. So. Yep and I don't think Charlie Strong's coaching ability has atrophied what is three years at Texas so in my mind USF got a home run higher that they would not have been able to from anything other than a guy coming off of a bad you know bad situation um, Yep. and I mean it's you know I got nothing against Willie Taggart I, I, I feel like Oregon panicked a little bit uh, I uh, who was who was the guy that crap? Who was the guy that they supposedly were in on, and at the la, and he went. Now let's see. There's been so many coaching moves. I can't even keep them all straight. Uh, was it was it Brom?
1: Because uh,
0: he went to Purdue, right?
1: Yeah, he went to Purdue. I'm trying to think um, back to that. I'm not quite sure.
0: I just remember there was, I, th- I feel like it was Jeff Brom, where there was a coaching hire that, like, as it was announced, it said that it, the reports came out that, like, the night before that Oregon had made a huge push for the guy, and he basically turned him down. And then they were kind of left there. They were the biggest school left without a a head coach, you know, so they're going to get the least, you know, maybe not the least likely, you know, the worst candidate, but they're going to get bottom of the barrel uh for coaches maybe of that caliber so now you're panicking it's like can we hire Mark Elfridge back like uh, right you know I oh no no you know who it was it was Matt Rule that's who uh oh, okay um, yeah
1: cuz it was basically between I uh Oregon and Baylor
0: right which uh that was a I felt like uh, him going to Baylor was a huge surprise too
1: um yeah um i uh i'm not um yeah i'm not i I mean i don't know that that one's interesting because of i mean here's the thing is i think you had to clean house i think you have to get rid of what was in place there when art briles was there yeah because the last thing you want is you know I don't think that that everything there is necessarily over with as far as what they're on, un- you know, unveiling. No. Um, and I think it's, it's interesting. Cause you look at it and it's like, well, you know, you can't, <laughs> you, you really you can't believe that no one else on that staff knew what was going on. Yeah. Um, or you can believe it, but, the likelihood of that holding up after an investigation is not, not very strong. I don't think, um, to protect for Baylor to protect itself. You know, I think letting rule kind of, if he doesn't overhaul the coaching staff, that might not be a t- terrible idea. But what's interesting is, is, uh, football, which I didn't want a ton of temple game, but when I did watch them, you don't think Baylor. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> that that was interesting because it's just a total contrast in style. Yeah. You know, Willie Taggart down to South Florida. I didn't think Oregon when I thought South Florida, but I did think a lot of points, you know. Right. Uh, they score a lot of points, and, and that, that's kind of what Oregon's thing was when they were in their prime. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you think Florida Atlantic, you think Elaine Kiffin. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's that's definitely not the first thing that came to mind. Um but uh you know, and it, that's a funny one too, we get to that. But you think about that. Florida Atlantic in the last decade has now had Howard Schnellenberger and Lane Kiffin as head coaches.
0: I know. Just... Which
1: is crazy to think about. You know, the uh Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, they got Schnellenberger obviously at the end of, you know, his career, so it wasn't a uh
0: and I mean, the program was just starting up at right that point. Right
1: off it is you, but
0: right. Yeah. I mean, FAU's yeah. program is still relatively young. Yeah. Uh, the one but thing.
1: Anyway, yeah, yeah. The the Oregon hire, you know, was interesting. Um,
0: the one thing I thought was interesting with both Rule and with Willie Taggart is that people kept making, I kept reading articles about the fact that neither one of them had ties to that part of the country. You know, Rule had never really coached in Texas. Taggart had only ever coached down in the South. He'd never really coached in the Northwest. And they were making the point that there's the. That basically it seems like there's this belief that coaches need experience recruiting in a certain part of the country. Um, Yep. And which may. I don't, you know, I have no idea. I don't follow recruiting that closely, but.
1: That made the Tom Herman hire make even more sense
0: right right uh, so it's just it I guess it'll be another interesting thing to watch um, you know whether how well these guys are able to recruit you know, and I mean rules's got the added benefit. you know the added pressure of having to recruit to a school that has got all this stuff hanging over its head um and is not, I mean, Baylor is not a football powerhouse, you know. At least at Oregon, you can kind of sell it on the history a little bit. You know, that's, yep. that shouldn't be hard. Baylor was pretty average before Art Briles. Uh, so I think, which is a shame because I really like Matt Rule. I uh, I talked to, I think I talked to, talked to Walks on the last podcast. So this was before he got hired. Uh, that he's the kind of guy I'd like to see at Notre Dame um but who so is that matt rule yeah uh but um i don't know i don't know what's gonna happen with him at baylor i don't <laughs> i don't know what's gonna happen with willie taggart again i i i hope it goes well but i
1: I uh, here's the thing is I, I think i think that willie can make it work because he has a he has a personality which is something that you know um I don't think that'll hurt you at all as, as Oregon's head coach, you know, having personality. Um, yeah. And, uh, he's, he's a likable guy. He's very likable. You know, that kind of gives, yeah. I mean, that, that helps, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if the country can fall in love with a guy a little quicker, you know, that, that at least helps the perception of the program. Um, you know, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot, um, I don't know, there's a lot there to, like, yeah. uh, think about that hire. But, again, I mean, it, what's interesting for both of these guys, Rule and Taggart, is just it will be their first big-time job. And so you just kind of have to see how it all plays out. Um, yeah.
0: And, I mean, they're so, both coming from schools that pretty much achieved their best, their most successful seasons under those guys. Uh, yep. So, and I mean... I mean, just real, I mean, just briefly because it just happened, you know, today, which I was literally walking to a meeting this morning and I walked under a TV on the wall and it had the breaking news Lane Kiffin thing. And I, I stopped and turned around and went, whoa. And one of my coworkers said, what? And I looked at him and just shook my head because he wouldn't understand. Uh, (laughs) Um, but just that so i was talking about this earlier with someone that's the kind of move so i mean obviously lane Kiff- kiffin has aspirations to get back into head coaching and he either didn't feel like waiting for the alabama job or was kind of told by saban he wasn't they weren't he wasn't just going to get it you know so he needed to go somewhere yep. to rebuild his reputation as a head football coach And, I mean, Florida Atlantic, I guess, just fell into, uh, you know, the Lane Kiffin experience. I mean, what's the downside for them, you know? (laughs) I mean, they're going to be in the national spotlight for the next two to three years. Uh, Yep. And if it works out for for them, that's great. And if it doesn't, they're going to get a lot of, you know, exposure and money from that, from season tickets and everything. So... Uh, I do think it's interesting this, this recent trend in assistant coaches staying on through the playoff before leaving for their new jobs. You know, because I've always felt that was like the crappiest part about like a group of five coach taking a new job, you know, and then like it kept happening in Northern Illinois. You know, those guys would yep. get those guys would get the the power 5 job and they'd leave before the bowl game you know like i don't i think maybe was it dave dave doran at the time when northern illinois went to the orange bowl he didn't get to coach the orange bowl you know right to um, watch
1: like it was kind of a weird scene he was watching from the stands
0: right it's always really weird so like and i mean this happened to, this happened 2 years ago with with tom herman you know he stayed at ohio state through the through the playoff and now you know luke fickle is going to coach through the playoff before he leaves for cincinnati um, which that I, th- I feel like is probably a low key good hire for Cincinnati. Uh,
1: I think it. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think for Cincinnati that that was a little bit of a hard time because some of the other names being thrown around for those jobs are jobs that you or guys that you could not picture staying.
0: Yeah,
1: I could see Luke Fickle staying at at Cincinnati for a little while.
0: And I mean, you want to talk about. Knowing the you know being able to recruit the area, I mean,
1: yeah. Is... I mean, here's the thing now is <laughs> it's he's not going to get guys over Ohio State, and he knows that. But what he can get are guys that are good enough to play at Cincinnati, right? That that know, oh well, hey, this guy, you know, look at his Ohio State resume because his Ohio State resume has weight inside that state now. Um,
0: oh and, yeah, and I mean. You know, the second tier of Ohio football talent is very rich. And, I mean, Cincinnati especially has got a lot of talented football players. Uh So his, I mean, being able to recruit the state. Well, and I know I read something. He's won, like, some, he's gotten some recognition as being a great recruiter, like, on a national level. So I don't think he'll be trotting out 85 Ohio, you know, state of Ohio players. But, uh I think I think he's going to be a lot. He's going to turn out to be a very good hire for them. I mean, because that his one head coaching season was just an impossible situation. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, he. I think you know. You can also look at the improvement of the Ohio State defense under as well. Yeah, I mean, he. You know, once he really got to be the coordinator and and, um, kind of was able to. You know, where it was clearly his defense, and, you know, he he wasn't just a year removed for being the interim coach. I mean, their defense, it was kind of just insert talented player here, and they knew what to do, where to go, and they were going to make, make a big plays. So, uh-huh. Yeah,
0: and, I mean, a lot of those, you know, everyone keeps talking about the Ohio State's, you know, epic draft class. And, I mean, about half those guys were defensive players, you know. He, yeah, a lot
1: of them were, yeah.
0: He, uh... He did, and I mean, I think it says something that, you know, when Urban came in, he was pretty much given carte blanche to do whatever he wanted, and he decided to keep Luke Ficalon as his defensive coordinator. You know, even though it could be weird because he was, you know, from the well, yeah, I mean, but he was from the 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 old old regime, regime. and you know, then he was the head coach, and you know, I think he only stayed because he had pretty much coached nowhere else other than, like, a two-year stint in Akron, I think. Um, so, um, but anyway, so the point I was trying to make before that was, uh, you know, just because, so, like, Fickle this year, and, and they said today Lane Kiffin, he's going to stay at, um, he's going to stay at Alabama through the playoff. It's just, it's interesting that, you know, these group of five, I always assumed that the reason these group of five coaches left early was because the school's like, oh, you can't, you can't miss that time in recruiting, you know. Right. But somehow these coordinators have have the power to say, "Eh, you know what? We can wait a cup. We can wait three or four weeks." It's just yeah. it's interesting, and I wonder if that'll maybe open the door for, you know, a group of five coach to maybe say, "You know what? I I want to see this through." You know, it's already yeah. crappy enough that these guys sit in these parents' rooms and talk about, you know, the kid coming to school with them for four to five years and then they leave after one or two, you know? Yep. Um, Yeah. So it would be nice to at least let them finish a season.
1: Here's the thing, though, with Kiffin and with Fickle, is that they're both basically by accepting the job they're going to, they both are... I mean, they're not going to be competing for uh, realistically for a spot in the college football playoff, their new jobs.
0: Yeah.
1: So I can see them from a personal standpoint wanting one last taste of it to kind of remember what they want to get back to, um, you know, at some point in their careers. Because that's the unfortunate thing about what the playoff has done as far as, you know, what it's done to the group of five. Um, you know, it's it's virtually made them irrelevant. You know, you get a New Year's Six spot, mm-hmm. but even had Houston, run the table this year. Had they not had the season they had before that, they they probably wouldn't even been in the playoff discussion. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yep. look at look at the season they were having the year before; they weren't realistically in that playoff. Uh, discussion in 2015 and they were running the table, you know, into the playoff rankings.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So it took the year before they had to have that kind of year to get the hype going into this season. Um, and even then, you know, I mean, it, they may have gotten in, but I mean, it would have been hard to put, a, you know, the, especially the way USC is playing at the end of the year. I would have had a hard time putting a, a, undefeated Houston team in a playoff over a one-loss Washington team.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: With one-loss USC. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you know, if these coaches taking group of five jobs, I mean, some of them I'm happy for because it seems like the right thing, and some of them I'm just like, you know, all right, I guess you're going to, you know, you kind of just need to prove something here. Like with Lane Kiffin, I think maybe maybe the feedback he's getting is that he just had to, you know, it's pretty obvious that he had to prove – he has to go somewhere where he can just prove that he can be a head coach um, again. Right.
0: Well, I mean, I think before, he needs to prove he can.
1: Wolves going to take a gamble on him.
0: Yeah, he's got to uh-huh. prove he can control it, and I want to say like control himself, but I mean, operate without the overwatch of Nick Saban. You know.
1: Well, right, and and operate as the face of a program and not a coordinator. Right. Um, he's gr- a great coordinator. Uh, he's not been a great head coach. Yeah, um, you know, and and so I think he just needs to prove that. Now the tough thing with there is, you look at it, you're kind of like, well, I mean, that's not necessarily like a guaranteed success place, you know, Florida Atlantic. No, <laughs> I mean,
0: it's not know, like it's he's easy... not
1: guaranteed to succeed there, and you wonder if he doesn't succeed there, well, <laughs> but maybe he's, you know proven in another some capacity that he could be a head coach you know but like maybe he's you know run a run the program more smoothly you know and and stuff like that and and they just simply don't have the talent to win games um you wonder if a school is going to take a gamble on him because if it doesn't go well at florida atlantic it's hard to believe that lane kiffin's not going to just end up as an offensive coordinator
0: somewhere again yeah and i mean it's not like you know, normally you'd think that in a normal situation he would kind of be able to recruit the state of Florida and you know, the South at the group of five level and kind of dominate it. But now you've got just in the state of Florida, you know, outside of having to recruit with Florida, Miami, and Florida State, you've got Charlie Strong at USF, you've got Butch Davis at FIU. You yep. got you know and you know and Lane at at uh, Florida Atlantic so it's like there's going going to be so many recruiting battles for those for those players down there uh it it's it's not going to be easy for him
1: uh and how about the head coaches across the state of Florida now <laughs> Mark Richt at Miami Jimbo Fisher at Florida State Jim McElwain at Florida I know McElwain isn't as proven as Rick or Chimbo um, Fisher, but he's had Florida in the SEC championship game two years in a row, and he's been at Florida for two years. Yeah. Um, you know, and then that's just the power five, and then the group of five are the guys you just rattled off, Charlie Strong, Butch Davis, Lane Kiffin. Right, who all I mean, have had
0: power five coaching jobs within the last five years. I mean. Yep. And has been—I mean, it have all been six. Well, success maybe not is how you would describe Lane Kiffin's career. But I mean, Butch Davis has won national titles. Charlie Strong took Louisville to relevant, you know, to national prominence. Uh, I forget. I mean, I feel like wasn't Louisville ranked like in the top Butch two? Just
1: missed out. Butch just missed out on national title.
0: I thought that I thought he won one, or oh, did he yeah, leave your?
1: He uh, he put he put all the uh, ducks in order for Larry Coker, and then he left for the Browns. For the job. Browns,
0: that's right. You're, I was thinking that Butch got one in before he left, but you're right. I have to no, rewatch. No, they had a really season as you
1: believe in it. It was clear they had something special, but he, he went took the NFL job.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, by the quick side note, did you watch the Catholics versus Convicts thirty for thirty?
1: Uh, I didn't have a chance. It's recorded uh, on my parents' DVR since I'm 28 years old and I live at home now. Mm. And uh, I'm saving a lot of money and I'm loving it, actually. But, I uh, say, I'm... but no, I had to, you know, I was out at an uh, establishment on Saturday evening in downtown Chicago and texted my dad and asked him to record the 30 for 30 for me. So I'll be watching that uh, maybe even tonight
0: yeah you ought to let me know when you watch it it was uh it was very good uh a lot about i mean i was not alive for the Catholics first convicts game uh but there was a lot about it that I did not know uh so it was and i mean that's as a Notre dame fan there was a lot about it that I didn't know so uh, it was i you' have to let me know what you think about it when you watch it so
1: yeah I'm, I'm interested I'm looking forward to it
0: um and i mean all the 30 for 30s that espn does are, are amazing so
1: oh they're fantastic and the you know i think i think personally it's it's one of the best things the company does i think pretty much anyone who watches the network thinks that but um yeah it's also cool cuz this is the third time <laughs> that one of the u teams right. has been featured in a in a 30 for 30
0: i heard someone call it it was like the u 1.5 because it's like in between the two yeah. the two eras that the the two U documentaries covered. Uh, yeah,
1: that's extra. That's that's clever.
0: Um, but uh yeah, you're right, which just goes to show how incredible that <laughs> those Miami teams were in the 80s and early 90s.
1: Uh, well, and how incredible some of the crap they were involved in was.
0: Yeah, that's if true. If they were
1: just good football teams, you know, you don't see a lot of 30 for 30s that are just about a good football team.
0: Yeah. I just uh I'm waiting there's for there's
1: more to the story and that's that's why they're so good.
0: Yeah. I'm waiting for ten years from now when when the Bush push becomes a thirty for thirty because that's a that's like this, I see
1: you're drinking you're drinking Diet Pepsi right now and I can tell you that uh you'd, you'd be drinking a little bit more than Diet Pepsi. It would have
0: had, yeah, it, it would it would have some oh, the, jack in it. To
1: be fair, la the Trojan war is that what it was called? Yeah. That, that one, that covered the Bush push pretty extensively. Yeah,
0: see, I never watched, I never saw that one.
1: Uh, you, the, uh, I tell you, save you right now, you know the, you know how it worked out.
0: Yeah, although I would maybe watch it just because I know how that whole era ends with that 2005 Rose Bowl. So that alone <laughs> is, might be worth the, the viewing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, let's switch gears let's talk about actual uh games that are going to be played um R- real quick sure cap the uh coaching
1: discussion which which uh power five program has had two coaches since 1979
0: just because you're the one asking it i'm gonna say yep. iowa
1: so thank you thank you uh hayden and kirk for your services uh, I'm enjoying the fact that my school does not have to partake in some of the lunacy that is the coaching here. So, yeah. Uh. Uh, cause there, there, there are good things that come out of it. And you know, the, the one thing that people tend to forget sometimes is that with the, with all the punchlines in the world of Twitter and everything has to be a funny little sarcastic joke uh, cause you're punching it out from your phone or your desktop. Um, if people still tweet from their desktop, I don't know. Um, it, you know, one thing that gets lost is, you know, a lot of times these are people losing their jobs. Right. Um, and you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, it comes to the territory and these coaches get paid out so much. Well, tell that to the grad assistant who is on staff, tell that to, um, the low level assistants on the staff who are now searching for a job. Yeah. It, it's, it's more than just a head coach who's getting paid out $12 million to leave a school um you know so that that is the one thing that i think sort of gets lost sometimes in the shuffle with this world we live in of everyone having to have the next funny joke on twitter um you know there's a lot of things that are a lot of them that are made at the expense of people losing their jobs. so uh yeah but uh, anyways uh let's let's get on to the playoff discussion
0: yeah so i'm i uh i'm curious what with let's let's go back in time to Saturday, or I guess let's say Sunday, after the championship games have been played, were you on Team Penn State or Team Washington for the last spot? Or Ohio State, I guess. Uh, Oh, Washington. Okay. I was too. Um, I was just – I don't think I had ever talked to you about that, so I was just – I had a feeling that's where. uh,
1: I I mean – I get I get Penn State fans' arguments, and and you know it does kind of stink that that they won the Big Ten and didn't get in. Uh, the one thing people that were arguing for Penn State tend to forget is that they lost two games.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, and as we've and said many also, times, on the
1: flip side of that, Michigan. I understand what Michigan did to Penn State. I do not think that. I, that they deserve to be in the ballpark of the discussion on the final weekend either. No. Um, and if Michigan had a different looking helmet, uh, there's a good chance that they would have been probably, uh, closer to 10 than five.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. the, I mean, Michigan and Ohio state. And, a, both. and
1: that's not to take away from them being a great team. Right. They're a great team. You lost twice.
0: Yep. And I mean,
1: the, the, these playoff teams. Washington's only loss was to USC. How how was that not like a, a all these other teams? You're talking about how strong their their loss was, or their two losses. Yeah, what Washington lost to USC, who people wanted to force into the playoff discussion at the end of the year because they were a, clearly a different team and looked so good.
0: Right, that whole finishing the mean, year strong.
1: It's it's uh. It, i mean it, it kind of that blew my mind that that everyone else for some reason was getting their good losses as a as a positive heading in the final weekend you rarely heard people talk about the fact that washington's one loss was to a usc team that was playing as good as any you know almost anyone in the country at the end of the season
0: right and um, i mean they won the
1: past 12 they Uh, absolutely throttled Washington State, which many people, including myself, thought could be a potential hiccup for them. Um, And then they they made the Pac-12 championship game virtually uncompetitive.
0: Right. I was going to say they beat down Um, a really good Colorado team.
1: Right. Other than one loss to a team that's playing in the Rose Bowl, they did what everyone asked them to do pretty much all year long which was if your schedule doesn't look that impressive, you got to beat the hell out of these teams. And they were absolutely throttling everybody. Yep. I, I, I almost feel bad that Chris Peterson's a great guy and, and I, I haven't encountered a ton of Washington fans. I'm sure walks would have a different opinion of them. Mm -hmm. They seem like pretty good, good fans, you know, because they've stuck with their team through, you know, a lot of years that didn't look like this. Yeah. Um, I can't, I can't, I almost feel, I, I feel bad that they had to sweat out that last weekend the way they did. Yeah. Quite honestly. And, um, and it, here's the thing. It's not to say that like Penn State and Michigan, you know, Michigan I had a hard time with because they lost twice and they weren't even in the conference championship game. Mm-hmm. Like Penn State and Michigan, like, yeah, yeah, like they're they're great teams. And maybe I don't think the playoff needs to expand to eight. Maybe we're talking it needs to expand to six. Because this year would have made perfect sense for one and two to have a bye, and three through six to play each other, you know, because really a lot of people woke up on that, that Sunday, a uh, uh, selection Sunday feeling like whatever the committee decided there weren't going to be right or wrong answers. And there were, there were really mainly just five teams in the discussion, but everyone um and their mother seemed to want to see michigan in in the playoff despite yeah (laughs) you know you know michigan pretty much lost their way out of the playoff because they they almost seemed predestined to be there based off of what people wanted to see um you know uh it was uh i don't know it was just kind of interesting you know i think this year six team playoff might have worked if it ever expands. I don't think it should expand beyond six teams. Um,
0: yeah, I mean that's. But, uh, you and know. I mean,
1: in the in all reality, too, that get this kind of got lost in it. I mean, you're playing Alabama. I mean, I, it it it's tough to see anyone even beating Bama.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, that's.
1: So, I mean, I, and I know that's not the point, but. At the end of the day, it's you're you're doing all this for a date with Bama. Now, I mean, I hope Washington hangs with Bama. That'd be great to watch. And and it's weird because this it, is such an intangible and and almost seems like a lazy way out of explaining it. Things have been so easy for Bama this season.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it it's almost been to the point where you're like, all right, well, I mean, they should just be able to win this the whole damn thing right. but it's never that easy when it's supposed to be so that that's kind of the one thing that has me curious it, and honestly like i mean washington still feels like they have a lot to prove to everyone after the way they had to sweat out that final weekend
0: yeah i mean you in know? part well so part of the gonna reason they're going to be that
1: team with the chip on their shoulder and um you know as long as they stay within themselves i think that you know they'll be able to hang with Bama for a little bit,
0: yeah I mean and part of the reason why they had to sweat that last week out is because they had the unfortunate circumstance of their out of conference schedule being being horrible, and I mean to the people that I just want to say this too like a lot of the, probably the biggest argument that people were making for Penn State other than the fact that they beat Ohio State and won the big Ten was that their their out of conference schedule was at least not you know horrible. It wasn't what the hundred and twenty whatever ranked out of conference schedule that Washington had. And people kept saying, "Oh, if Pitt or if Penn State had played Villanova instead of Pittsburgh, they'd be in the they'd be in the playoff." And I just the reason Ohio State was being considered, even though they didn't even win their division. Was because they went and played Oklahoma, on yep. the road, and beat them bad. If you if Ohio State instead of playing Oklahoma on the road had played Miami of Ohio at home, they would not have been in playoff discussion. I don't think. No, because they wouldn't have had a sign. Their signature win would have been against Michigan, which would have then it. I mean, it's a good well, win, but it wasn't as good as maybe originally thought.
1: Well, and then and then you would have had a say. Say at that point, say Penn State somehow had one loss, <laughs> right? You know. Oh, well, and the other thing too is you look at it last year, Ohio State. What was their tough non-conference game? I don't think they really had one last year, unless Not I'm last mistaken. Yeah,
0: uh, you know. I don't remember. I don't think. Uh, did they play Virginia Tech last year?
1: Yes, that's what it was at Virginia Tech. And, you know, that, that wasn't the toughest game in the world last year. Now going to Blacksburg isn't easy. Right. But, but it was using that Virginia Tech game as like an argument for a strong point on Ohio State's schedule last right. season. Look at what happened. They lost one game. That team they lost to ended up winning the Big Ten championship game.
0: Right. And, and they, they- got the
1: playoff over Ohio State. And then you got Iowa over the in the playoff over Ohio state in the Rose
0: bowl. Right. Yeah. Because they, you're right. Cause they didn't have that signature, big signature win that they could point to, to say, Hey, look, we can clearly, you know, we kind of lost in, you know, a last second fluky way to Penn state. And we've got this great out of conference win, which looked better and better the later the season went on. Cause Oklahoma turned out to be really good. You know, they turned their season around, I guess I should say, um, so I guess I'm hoping that the that the lesson that athletic directors take from this is you still need to schedule good teams in out- of- conference play, but you have to win. that That is the crux yep. of everything. Your arguments become so much stronger when you win football games. It's when you lose them yep. that you have to start making these these stupid, mind-bending leaps of logic to try to justify your position when you're really just in a muddle with 10 other teams who can make the exact same argument. It is just so much easier to, well, it's not easy to win, but that it makes everything you do that much easier. If you just win the games on your schedule, that's what Washington did. You know, they went out, they won, they couldn't control the fact that they had an FCS team. And I'm sure when they scheduled that Rutgers game, they might've scheduled that Rutgers series, back when Greg Sciano was Rutgers' coach. I mean, sometimes that's how far ahead these things get scheduled. I don't actually know. But no one could have predicted Rutgers would, would have been the train wreck that they are today, you know. And, yep. um, you know, so if you're Washington, you say, oh, well, crap, that sucks. But we go out, we can – but – you know they went out and beat everybody, but they weren't started to take seriously until they got into Pac-12 play and they beat Stanford and they beat Oregon, who, granted, neither of those teams were very good. It turns out, but it's not like Washington started the year three and O and everyone was like shouting their praises because they beat Portland State and they beat uh, uh, you know Rutgers and Idaho. You know. Yeah. So it's not like, that yeah. was, you know, that was never an argument for them. It was just, okay, they got to keep, it was like, we're going to look at you with slight trepidation because you haven't really been tested yet. But once you start being tested, they kept passing test after test until they slipped up against USC, but they recovered, and they went out and destroyed the rest of their schedule, you know?
1: Yeah, well, and the other funny thing, too, is what, Sanford ended up 9-3. and three.
0: Uh, did they? Yeah. Yep.
1: So, I mean...
0: They finished right behind know, Florida. That, that
1: yeah. was another thing no one was talking about. Stanford ended up with a decent record. You yeah. Know, they weren't as good as they were the year before. McCaffrey didn't have the season he had the year before. But, I mean, it's not like they were terrible. Right. You know? Uh, Yeah, so...
0: I think in general, the Pac-12 was originally thought of as up, and then it kind of tailed off towards the end to the point where Washington was the only, you know, really good team. There were a lot of, like, good teams, and then there was there was one great team and a bunch of really good teams, you know? Yep. Because, uh, like, Stanford, Utah, Colorado, Washington State, USC all kind of ended up in the Good, but not great category. By the time the season ended, um, yeah. So I just, I mean, I, I was okay with the way the playoff uh, shook out. Uh, I would have probably been more upset if they had included Penn State over Washington or Ohio State. Um, yeah. that I, I mean, I thought those, I thought the four teams that they put in was were the four teams that should have made it. Uh, based on the entire season. So, and I think, I mean, we got...
1: I, I think a lot of this comes back to, I don't know, I get that it's good for the sport. The committee shoots itself in the foot with their completely inconsistent explanation of the criteria. Oh, yeah. I mean, this year was the epitome of that. You're talking about how teams can prove that they're unequivocally better than these other teams. Talking about why Michigan should be, you know, oh well, we can put Michigan ahead of Penn State because we can prove that Michigan is unequivocally better than Penn State because they hammered them when they played in person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that that guess what? That just gives Penn State a big argument as to why they should have been in over Ohio State.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, at the head, head. Look at, I mean, the Pac-12 has got to be because two years yeah. ago. They put Ohio State in because the, pa- you know, and one of the biggest reasons they knocked down the pac or the Big 12 was because Ohio State was the Big 10 champions and the Big 12 didn't really have a champion. Yep. And so they're saying, look how important conference championships are. And then this year they're going, lol, just kidding, you know. What they
1: need to do, and what they needed to do a better job of explaining with both of those things is to just say that those are tiebreakers that those are not what puts teams ahead of each other on the initial evaluation.
0: Because it's a bonus game. I mean, that's one thing I feel like really flew under the radar. Colorado got screwed out of the Rose Bowl by having to play in the the Pac-12 title game. Yeah. If they had not played that game, they would have finished ahead of USC and gone to the Rose Bowl. But because they played and they lost and lost badly, that gave everyone kind of like they felt okay with putting USC above them, which is what they wanted to do, because given the choice, the Rose Bowl would take USC over Colorado 10 times out of 10. Um, But uh, Colorado was essentially punished for having to play that game. Yep. Uh, Which is... I, I feel like you're right in that the committee overemphasized the conference championship when the playoff first started. And I think hopefully, maybe now we're getting more towards where it should be in that it's a type, it's like something to be applied when two teams are very close but really isn't considered that much during the majority of the discussion.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it's... Frankly, I my preferred method of the playoff would be to just do away with conference championship games and have that to basically, take either take that weekend off or have the an eight team playoff and have the first round be that weekend. Yeah, that would be my choice. But just because someone did a, a a I read an article, they did a breakdown of like the different conference championship games, like specifically the SEC championship game, and it's been a horrible game like seven of the last eight years. You yeah,
1: know. the one that I remember was really really good was uh the Georgia-Bama game in 2012.
0: Right. Yeah, and that was like the one exception to the for the most part, you know, just horrible quality football. Uh, and I mean it wasn't it hasn't just been, you know, the SEC which has kind of coincided with Nick Saban's, you know, rise there, but I mean the the none of the big 10 championship games outside of this year have been that i shouldn't say that last year's big 10 championship game was entertaining but the year before that was the ohio state blowout of wisconsin you know
1: yeah although there've there been there've been some stinkers you know cuz wisconsin also hammer, hammered nebraska that one year yep but there have been some great games the, the first one was wisconsin michigan state when russell wilson was there yeah that was game uh, the last year's was low scoring but it was a really close game this year's was a fantastic game um the one with michigan state where they beat o- an undefeated ohio state team was a pretty good game um you know the big 10 big 10 one it's kind of funny because a lot of times you get these teams that are playing in cold weather for the last month and then they get to move into a dome and almost wakes up their offense you know it didn't quite happen with wisconsin or with uh michigan state and iowa last year um yeah that was a very just two really great defensive teams playing each other but uh yeah it was, it, it, the big tens always had a, had a pretty good one
0: yeah you know although theirs the is one Ten of the newer ones too years you know yeah so i just i mean i guess just overall i would personally be okay if instead of the you know the conference championship game slate we ended up with a you know, four playoff games that weekend.
1: Yeah, I just don't think that eight teams deserve a, a shot at the playoff every year.
0: Yeah, I mean that's fair. I, I guess I'm.
1: Like I said, I think I could see it going to six. Um,
0: I mean it's gonna. Let's put it this way: it'll move from four. Yeah, it's whether or not they keep do they yep. go another I mean, half measure.
1: It's inevitable that it'll expand. I just hope that they don't expand it to eight. Cause I think you can do it with six.
0: Yeah. I mean, with,
1: you know, you, you get your power five and then a wild card, you know, and that leaves the door open for a group of five team that goes 13 and or, you know, a, you know, uh, in this gear's case, you would leave it open for, um, you know, an Ohio state or, and you could throw in a stipulation that if the big, you know, if, if, uh, if not, not big calls specifically, but if, if one of the conference champions is like a nine and three team, you know what I mean? And there's a team with a better record in front of them that deserves to go. You, you, all right. You won the conference championship, but this team is 11 and one and you were 10 and three, Yeah, you know, nine and four, whatever, um, I think there are ways to get to uh a 6 team. I just think 8 teams you make it way too um open for teams to lose two games during the regular season. And it, it, I think it just starts stripping the regular season away like crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean that's and I know that's always going to be like the biggest argument, but I mean, in my in my perfect world in an eight-team playoff, the first round is played at home sites. So the importance of getting that top four positioning would hopefully maintain some, you know, maintain the competitiveness of the regular season because you can't, you know, really, if you want to end up as a top four team, you can't lose twice. You know, just like this, I mean, the playoff has proven that it's gonna. It's almost impossible to make the playoff with two losses, you know. So you definitely want to, especially if you're, because, I mean, no other, I don't know if there's a bigger home field advantage than in college sport and specifically college football. Yep. So, I mean, if you're, you know, you're going into the last week of the season and you know you need to win because the alternative is either playing – Penn State at home, or having to go to Happy Valley, you know, yeah, it's gonna give you a pretty good incentive to make sure you win that game, uh
1: yep, yeah, no i see I see that argument,
0: so that's but
1: I think they got it right end of the story, I think they got it right this year this
0: year, yes, I mean most years they now,
1: I mean I'm not, I would have loved to see two or three of the four teams in there from the big ten um but you know, just as, as, you know, fan of the conference, but uh, in all reality, I think they got it right.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's in, in my mind, I mean, just as a college football fan, my biggest concern with all of this is I just want to see good matchups, you know? Right. The, I mean, the very nature of playoffs that we as American sports fans love does not guarantee that the best team is always going to win. You know, we actually, we, we love to love the Cinderella team, which by definition means the best team is not winning, you know, over the course of a long season, you can usually tell who the best team is, but then you Mm -hmm. throw them into, I mean, that's honestly, that's my biggest problem with baseball is that over the course of a 162 game season, you found out who the best team was, Right. you know, in each, in each, uh. In each league. And then we go and we play a playoff, which is com- a completely different sport. It's still baseball, but it's a completely different, different. Uh, it takes completely different skill sets to win, you know? And so claiming that that is determining the best team in baseball is not true. Sometimes it works, you know? This year, the best team in baseball also happened to win the World Series. But then you get, you know, these wild card 83 win teams. That win the World Series over... Get hot at the right time. Yeah, over 99 win, you know, juggernauts. Uh, it's just... So, it, because, you know, with that in mind, I just want to see the best matchups possible. You know, I love, Alabama, you know, Ohio State and Clemson. And really, this Alabama-Washington game, to me, kind of feels like a surrogate for all of those Oregon, Alabama games we never got to see, you know. Uh, well,
1: hey, Chris, Chris Peterson took down a you know extremely talented Oklahoma team with Boise, so he can coach. He can coach a bit in a big game.
0: Yeah, that's uh, he will definitely be ready for the situation. It'll once the uh, wa- those Washington boys. Line up and see the entire Alabama defense on the other side of the ball. We'll see how they respond to that because I think that there's there are few teams in college football that you can't adequ- adequately prepare for by watching film. I'm thinking Alabama is one of those teams that you kind of need to see them to to get the she- the sheer magnitude of like their size and speed, you know. Yep. Just at every position, you know, with everybody. Um, so, it'll be good. It'll yeah, be, we'll it'll be, be two entertaining games, hopefully. Definitely. We thought that last year with Alabama-Michigan State, too, and that, that didn't turn out to be true. So
1: No, that was a tough one.
0: Yeah. Oh. Well...
1: well. Being back on the podcast,
0: I'm glad you're back. I might yeah. have to, I might have to see about bringing home the recording equipment when I go home, so we can, we can talk again yeah, during I, bowl I season. I'll
1: got some predictions and stuff next week.
0: Yeah, that's we've got. How many bowls are there now? Like 50 bowls. There's some. Yeah, too many. There's <laughs> there is too many. It's, when
1: when you're sorting through which five and seven teams. Are getting the invite there's yeah. too many
0: games yeah which is a problem with the system completely but it's because it's too easy to create a bowl game and no one that no one cares about uh, yep and it just puts a financial burden on the school but yeah we'll have to we'll definitely try to maybe we'll do like maybe we'll try to do one next week to do like the first half of bowl games maybe like up to christmas and then we'll do another one after that and when i'm back Sounds home. Good to me. when i'm back, <laughs> back in connecticut i shouldn't shouldn't call it yeah, home but, uh, not home No, you can say that now here. i never
1: i never did i never called it home
0: yeah i don't either i it's uh it's a place where i'm living right now but yep so well right. it was good to good to have you back i'm glad you're i'm glad you're enjoying enjoying your time at the big 10 network
1: yeah. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's a uh, fun uh fun to be back and yeah, I'm glad that this worked out.
0: Yeah, now that your your second choice of a podcast for the week is is uh is wrapping up. So
1: Wait, sorry. What was that? As it cut out.
0: Your I said that now that your second choice for a podcast for the week is uh is wrapping up. <laughs> your your backup the backup podcast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah the backup podcast
0: <laughs> yeah so
1: all right well thanks for thanks for, i'm glad that uh you helped set this up eric
0: yeah i hope hopefully this all uh all the sound and everything comes in i know there's a couple spots where you might have cut out a little bit but i think we got even when that happened we managed to get the gist of it so uh you know as always check us out on soundcloud and itunes you know uh Tweet at us at S-E-E underscore pod or send us an email at Saturday Everywhere Else at gmail dot com. I would love to get some questions, you know, for that we can answer on the air. But uh, who knows? One of these days, one of these days, uh, maybe that'll happen. So,
1: oh, yeah, we I I spurned our only comment so far.
0: Yeah, it was because it was about how good pumpkin stuff is so that, that yeah just well that yeah if that's the kind of comments we're gonna get then maybe we don't want you maybe we don't want listener comments
1: uh well with that being said i'm now fully enjoying peppermint season in chicago <sighs>
0: so. peppermint is only slightly better than it's only the other reason peppermint is good is because it means that pumpkin season is over that is its biggest advantage Great bite your tongue uh, it will do no such thing uh, <laughs> all right my till my dying day my gravestone's gonna read it's never pumpkin season in heaven <laughs> all right all right man everyone uh, have a good night
1: good being back and uh have a good one yeah Alrighty. see ya see ya